What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Rommel, per usual. And today, we honestly don't really have anything too special planned. Um, kind of just a, a short and sweet episode. It seems like it's going to be. We've been doing a lot of stuff on our second channel, OTA Clips. So make sure to drop a subscribe there. That's where we've been uploading a lot of stuff surrounding NFL free agency, as well as March Madness, which is going on as we speak, I believe. Uh, when we're filming this, Creighton just pulled off the win against UCSB. Very close game. We'll talk about that on our uh, on our second channel, OT Eclipse, where we're doing daily recaps from March Madness. So make sure to drop a subscribe there, as well as drop a subscribe here, of course, as well as uh, go check us out on Apple po- Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I guess we are a podcast and Spotify yeah. as well. Um, so with that, I guess we'll get started on our uh, short agenda. We really don't got too, too much planned today. But first things first, the wide receiver market. In the NFL free agency, it was very slow, but it finally uh, kind of picked up. And, and it seems like it's basically wrapped up at this point in terms of the main guys that are gone. I know there's a few guys like T.Y. Hilton still out there, Antonio Brown. There might be a, a few others I'm missing. But for the most part, I believe all the main ones are gone. And those main three that just signed recently this past week, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, and Juju Smith-Suster. So, Mac, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, we'll start with. We'll start with Will Fuller. We'll start with the, you know, probably the more minor one, but signs a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins kind of went under the radar. Um, you know, I feel like it wasn't, you know, broadcasted that much. Like I feel like some people might've missed it, but Will Fuller to the Dolphins on a one-year deal, not too much money. Uh, what do you think of this deal? And, and, you know, obviously Will Fuller has to prove himself with that suspension impending. So what do you think of the deal? Yep, I think it's a solid deal for him, especially a guy, um, you look at his career, and I've said this in previous episodes when we were predicting where he would go. He hasn't played over 14 games in his in a season in his career, and that goes a long way to show you he has an injury history. He has injuries, and you're just hoping and banking on and relying on, uh, could he be healthy? But I think last year is really where he took the next step as a wide receiver with DeAndre Hopkins out of the mix there in Houston. He was the number one receiver for the team. And in just 11 games last year, of course, um, he was the number one receiver with 53 receptions, 879 yards. And in those 11 games, he was basically and really on pace for 1,000 yards. So the Dolphins are getting a potential 1,000-yard receiver if Will Fuller could play um, and stay healthy for the remainder of the season. Of course, he's going to miss that first game uh, because of the suspension. But uh, alongside and uh, after that, I think Will Fuller could have a good chance uh, to put up 1,000 yards. Uh, of course, you have players like Devontae Park over there, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins go out in the draft and try and get a true number one at the three spot, or uh, I believe it's the – Whatever their other first-round pick is, yeah. uh, I won't be surprised if they go out and find another receiver there. So uh, that's really the only thing I'll be looking toward, forward to for the Dolphins at the wide receiver position. So I think this wide receiver core for the Dolphins will be – oh, my gosh, uh, a little bit <laughs> – uh, against me. But I think if they get a guy in the draft, this wide receiver core for the Dolphins will be very good. Um, and if you go out there and get a running back as well, I think this offense will be very potent. It will really help to develop – uh, as a future start in the league. Yeah. Um, good move by the dolphins. They obviously need to go out, get a wide receiver and they did, they got a star one in Will Fuller. And, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off Devonte Parker who, you know, we kind of saw struggle as the true number one on that team. I feel like he is just, you know, he's just not a, a number one wide receiver in the NFL. That's just the, the fact of the matter as a number two, though, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. And I think, you know, the dolphins really got a great one, two punch there. And, and you just look at this offense They need and they still need to go out and get weapons for Tua. That offense is just incomplete. 
um, for a team that almost made the playoffs. Um, it's kind of surprising because that offense really does not have many playmakers when you look at it. I mean, the O-line is, is not very good. The tight end position, they do have Mike Gesicki, so you can get some credit there. He was solid for them last year. Wide receiver, I mean, it's a it's a solid position. I mean, they had guys like Jakeem Grant make big plays for them last year. But, you know, outside of Devontae Parker, there's really no star power there. But Will Fuller, you get a star power guy, a guy who can you can plug in in your number one. It's only a one-year deal. He's trying to prove himself, get that long-term deal. We saw another one-year deal with Juju, which will hit in hit on in a bit, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a good step in the right direction for this Miami team, uh, you know, who obviously is looking to um, make a move on the future and, you know, get their feet uh, set. Obviously a lot of people thought they might end up with Aaron Jones. He remained in green Bay. So running back could still be a position they look to upgrade as well. Obviously miles Gaskin is there, but is he a franchise running back? We don't really know quite yet. Uh, still a little unproven. So we'll see the offense, you know, it's, it's, it's getting there. Um, obviously, if they add a guy like a Deshaun Watson, you're saying, oh, my God. But two is also, you know, unprovenness has, has hurt them. They obviously did bring in Jacoby Brissett um, to back up to us. So that'll be interesting. It's a fly here. Um, excuse that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a solid move by them. Um, and Jesus, this thing's annoying me. And, um, you know, nothing they had to commit to too long term, which is which is a solid move on their end. Yeah, 100%. As you said, I'll tell you how you pointed out some underrated guys like Jakeem Grant, who had to come up and make some plays last year. And I think that the developing offensive line last year, of course, they drafted a few offensive linemen. Uh, they even went out and tried to see if they could bring Isaiah Wilson along, the Texans for a first-round pick. Uh, he was my rival high school, Polly Prep. <laughs> it's pretty wild, but he's got some issues. But uh, the Dolphins, they have a lot to look forward to on the offensive line and if you get a running back in there along with another uh wide receiver i think the dolphins will be set up great uh for the future yeah and i think with that um you know i'd pose you this question in terms of the afc east right now obviously a bunch of free agent moves have been made the jets went out got Corey davis carl lawson patriots had the biggest offseason out of anyone so far and the buffalo bills obviously uh you know one of the best teams in the afc the second best last year where do you think the dolphins rank right now with the move of will fuller and their offseason so far obviously outside of fuller um, they cut Van Noy. They haven't been too active outside of that. Their defense has probably gotten worse this offseason, I would say. So, um, you know, where would you rank the Dolphins in this division right now? Uh, you know, I'd probably have them at number two still. I still have the Bills number one. I think the Dolphins would be number two. The Patriots, uh, I mean, you still have Cam Newton as a starter. I don't believe in him. And you got to see how these guys work together, everyone that you sign. But the Dolphins, it's really the same team. You lose a few players and you get Will Fuller. So I think that's going to be great. And then this year's draft, you have tons of picks. So uh, you're going to be able to fill a lot of those needs. So it's really the same team as last year. You may have taken a little bit of a dip, but I don't think it's going to be that uh, much of a dip in Throughout the draft, I think they're going to get right back to where they were last year. And if not, I think they'll be, be even better. I have them third in the division right now. I think New England has jumped over them. But that said, I think the advantage for the rest of the offseason heavily favors Miami. Miami, obviously, with the third pick in the draft. Who knows what they'll do there? Obviously, they're in talks or they've been in touch with Deshaun Watson. But that situation is so unknown at the moment. He's obviously got all these allegations of sexual assault and harassment and whatnot. Um, he's denying them, but it's not a good look for him. Texans have declined all calls. I mean, it's just a mess right now with him. Honestly, you know, the situation as it stands, I, I don't know if he'll end up getting traded. Um, it just seems like a mess and I could see him sitting out, but um, I would say the Patriots have leaped them just because I agree with you. I'm not a Cam Newton fan by any means in the imagination, but um, I do believe in Bill Belichick that he is a good coach. Obviously I think Brady proved this year that it was, 
primarily Brady um, and that, you know, you know, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick couldn't build the team with just Cam Newton, but you're going to get some of those defensive guys back that opted out last season. Um, uh, Patrick Chung is retiring, but um, I mean, you look at a bunch of those guys, they, they brought back um, the center, David Andrews. They obviously lost Joe Thune. Um, They brought, you know, a bunch of guys in on the defensive side, Mark, Matthew Judon, um, you know, one of them, obviously on the offensive side, it's just Cam's going to have a lot more weapons this year. And for me, um, I have more faith in that defense. I think that defense will be a top five defense in the league. And right now Miami to me is just, I'm, I'm still not sold on Tua. Um, I kind of haven't been sold on him since he's made his debut in the NFL. Um, so I got to see more from Tua to put them above New England right now. But I just think the experience of New England um, and just their talent defensively puts them over Miami, but Miami still plenty of work to be done in this offseason. So I think it's fluctual where I'll end up at the end, but right now I'd say New England is, as the, has the two spot for me. But Buffalo obviously locks it up at the top, yeah. and obviously the Jets are in the cellar in that division. <laughs> yeah, you can't root against Buffalo, and, I mean, the Jets, I mean, unless something happens with their number two pick, you luck out with a guy like Zach Wilson or something, uh, they'll probably stick at the last place. I just place got on. some breaking news in the NFL world. The Denver oh, Broncos ooh, are I- going to sign <laughs> Kyle Fuller, the two-time Pro Bowler, cornerback to a one-year deal for about $10 million. Um, so I guess we can talk about that real quick. That kind of came out of nowhere. But um, yep. the state of the Denver Broncos, we haven't really talked about them too much. Obviously, they let Philip Lindsay go to the Houston Texans. Um, so Melvin Gordon's going to be the starting back there. They did extend Justin Simmons, their star safety as well. You know, what do you think of this move for the tech or for the Broncos? Um, obviously, it's a short-term yeah. deal. But, you know, do you think this team has the pieces right now to compete for a playoff spot? Right now, I'm not sure if they have the pieces with Drew Locke. I mean, coming into last year, a lot of people were high on him. It was like he could be a sleeper for MVP um, this season. He didn't. He he really wasn't even close to being anything near that. Obviously, uh, he did lose Cortland Sutton. I think that may help out a little bit this year. But um, the offense, it's going to be solid. You got those young guys, Judy Sutton and Hamler. So your wide receiver core is going to be great. You have no fan of the tight end position. So you got a lot of young stars and young good players on that offensive side. Defensively, you still have Von Miller, who was aging, but he's still a good player. You got Bradley Chubb. You got some good young guys, and then Justin Simmons, who just signed a mega deal to be the highest paid safety in NFL history. And they're adding, um, I was about to say AJ Boye, but that brings just the next play. They signed Kyle, Kyle Fuller, but they got rid of AJ Boye, um, who was obviously their uh, best cornerback last year. So this is going to fill that number one cornerback spot and need. Uh, and you're replacing him with a much better player, two time pro bowler and a former all pro and a guy who was a key part of that Bears defense. And uh, I think it's a great signing for them. The Broncos, they do have pieces to get it done, but I think defensively they may need a few more players and offensively you still may need to look for a better quarterback. Yeah, I think the Broncos are in a bit of a bad spot. Um, You're in a tough division as it is. Um, The Chiefs are obviously running that division with ease. Um, The Chargers are a very good team in my opinion. I think that team is going to be playoff caliber this year. Um, Obviously they they brought in um, Corey Lindsley, which is a good move. And they also have a, uh, what, like the 12th or 13th pick in the draft, I believe. So they'll be able to upgrade their team there. And then you look at the Raiders, and the Raiders are just a solid, you know, like a team that would be like an 8-8 eight and eight kind of team there. So um, to me, Denver is – they're in a spot where they need to rebuild, and they've been trying to, and it's just not really worked. And I think they made a mistake. Um, they need to either trade Von Miller or they should have just let him go. I don't think um, having him continue to play is, is doing them any favors. It's just taking up money. Um, from potentially other guys who can be, 
you know, you could be investing in some young guys, giving them more playing time and uh, seeing what happens with them. But I agree. I don't think Drew Locke's quarterback of the future there. Um, they've tried their best. And, and this year just showed that obviously you will get Portland Sutton back, which you mentioned, which is huge, but they have the pieces on the offensive side. There's really no excuses. You can blame the O-line not being a hundred percent and not the best in the league or one of the top tier O-lines, but um, you know, you have great weapons there. You got great tight end. You've had great running backs. You've had great receivers and you haven't been able to get the job done. So for me, um, you know, we've heard obviously Deshaun again, the Deshaun Watson situation you've heard, he wants to go to Denver or San Francisco. I mean, you've heard so many things, but um, you know, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, that team could be a totally different situation. That team could be, uh, a, that team's a playoff team in my eyes, if they trade for Deshaun Watson um, with that offense and, and the defenses, it can hold its own. And I think this California was a good move um, just to, you know, to kind of keep that defense rolling and, and have strong guys. They're the secondary. I mean, if you're leading the secondary with Kyle Fuller and Justin Simmons, it's, it's a so quality secondary. That's a two great pieces there. Obviously you got the linebackers and Chubb and Von Miller who are stars there, but I don't know. We'll see what happens to me. They're still the worst team in that division just because of Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is not very good. And and when you have a bad quarterback in this league, it tends to uh, equivalent to not really gaining success. So bit of a breaking news there type thing, but um, yeah, why not? We needed content. So. <laughs> we did. Just to make it a little bit longer. And yeah. I guess with that, should we go to our next wide receiver? Yep. And uh, before we get to the main guy, of course, uh, let's talk about Juju Smith-Schuster, who got his one-year $8 million uh, deal back with the Steelers, of course. Uh, there were a bunch of things saying he didn't really want to be with the Steelers at points. The Steelers weren't sure if they were going to resign him. So it was a bunch of different conflicting uh, kind of stories that came out. And he was getting other and bigger offers from other teams. Uh, like you saw the Eagles, um, you saw the Ravens, you saw a bunch of other teams making offers that were better than this in long, long term. So uh, this deal kind of seems for me like he's more betting on himself. Uh, could he be, have a bounce back year and put up even bigger numbers so he get that long term deal uh, next offseason? But Juju last year, he had 97 catches, 831 yards, nine touchdowns. So he's a guy that's obviously a big part and big focal point of that offense with the 91 or 97 receptions. But I mean, 831 yards on that many receptions, uh, it's just not going to cut it. So he's obviously not having the production uh, yards wise, which you would want to see, but he is getting the touchdowns. Of course, he had the nine. And um, I do think, and I, I'm going to say this and I'll put this out there. I am surprised at the amount of teams that were, really interested in him and getting him on their team, especially after last year, all the uh, kind of problems that they've had in the locker room with the TikTok Corvette, Corvette kind of thing. Dance, dance, all the other team's logos. It was just childish uh, kind of things. But I think um, hopefully Mike Tomlin this year could help turn that around. And I think this is more of Juju betting on himself uh, and learning from his past year. So this uh, next off season, he'd get another big deal. Yeah, for me, this one is, um, I think Juju likes Pittsburgh. I didn't think he wanted to leave necessarily. And I think it's a mix of just the wide receiver market as it is. And Kenny Galladay being the only guy who's going to get a multi-year deal. That's just the, the situation mm -hmm. right now with wide receivers. Teams are not willing to pay these guys four or five years. Um, especially like Juju is a bit unproven in my eyes still. I mean, there's still question marks with him. He's been so inconsistent. He's, he's looked as a number two, like a superstar when AB was there, but as the number one is, is kind of struggled and, and hasn't put up the same level of success necessarily. So I think he just wanted to stay. And I think it was the right situation for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think they had the money to give this guy uh, the long-term deal he was going to be looking for, which is probably three, four years, $10 million plus per range per year. Um, and they didn't, they gave him a one-year deal. And it's going to be, like you said, a, a kind of prove it 
uh, type deal for Juju where he's going to have to play good and see if he can get that long-term deal. And he's betting on himself and also um, seems like he wants to stay in Pittsburgh and, and with like Chase Claypool and all those guys. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I'm not big on Pittsburgh. And I guess, you know, with that, um, Pittsburgh's had a weird offseason. They obviously lose Bud Dupree. Pouncey retires. Ben's Big Ben's coming back. But they haven't really added to their team. They lost some corners as well. Mike Hilton. You know, where do you think this team, obviously, you know, they finished first in the division. But, you know, where do you think they rank, obviously, with the Bengals, the Browns, and, and as well as the Ravens? I guess we can talk some division here. So um, where do you have them in the AFC North right now? Yeah, right now, I mean, I'd probably have them three, and I'd even, honestly, I could go as low as four right now. <laughs> I think the Bengals have a lot on the table with Joe Burrow coming back. If you could fix up the offensive line a little bit, you got a young player with T. Higgins, you got Joe Mixon, and your defense is solid after that Troy Hendrickson um, um, signing. So this team has a lot to look forward to, and especially they got their young corners. They took Mike, Hil- Mike Hilton away from the Steelers. They added Cheeto Ouzier. So they got some young guys who could produce. And I think the Steelers, um, if they played how they did at the end of last year, I think they will end up at a fourth spot and end up behind Cincinnati. But right now I'm just going to be safe. I'm going to keep them at three, but I think it'll be close between them and the Bengals. Um, But at the top of the division, I'm obviously going to have to say the Browns, Baker Mayfield proved to um, play great last year. You're going to have Odell back. Jarvis Landry was great. You have the dynamic duo at running back with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, defensively, Miles Garrett. And the list just goes on and on of how good this team it really is. So I think that's an undisputed number one for uh, that division. And then number two, I'm going to give it to the Ravens. They still need a uh, number one, a true number one wide receiver. And hopefully, I think they will be able to address that in the draft, uh, potentially defensively. I really have no worries. You lost Matt Judon, but your defense still has tons of elite players on secondary and up front so I'm not really worried about them so I think it's gonna be close between Cincinnati and uh, the Steelers fighting for that number three spot you're really hating on Pittsburgh um (laughs) I I also would put them at three I don't think the Bengals are quite there yet um obviously the Bengals had huge additions to that defense like you said Trey Hendrickson should have you whatever the fuck his name is oh yes I'm cursing whatever those bombs are but um the offense to me, you lose AJ Green. You didn't really do too much there. Tight end is still a disaster. Offensive line is a disaster. Um, you know, you got Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd, obviously, who are great players. And obviously, Joe Burrow's coming back. So to me, um, I still think Pittsburgh is better than them. Um, you know, give Pittsburgh credit. They still have a fantastic defense at the end of the day. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, those three guys can carry any defense in the league. Um, and, you know, I, I expect them to. Um, you know, they also have Devin Bush still there. He's going to be coming back as well. So you can't forget about all those guys and just not give those guys their credit. Um, but like you said, I, I don't think the Steelers anymore are on that level of the Cleveland Browns or the Baltimore Ravens, who to me are, are two of the, um, I believe top four teams, um, in that AFC right now, I believe them two and the bills and the chiefs are, are, are the top four teams in the AFC right now for me, Browns, Ravens. I think it depends, honestly, um, and I think it depends on what the Ravens do at wide receiver to me. Um, you know, I, I, they need someone. They didn't go out and really get anyone. I, I, didn't, I believe they signed maybe someone um, to play wide receiver for them. I forget who, but I believe they might have signed someone. But even if they didn't. And they did offer uh, Kenny Galladay a contract, just didn't. Uh, they did, uh, yeah. But to me, the wide receiver is a huge issue for them. And, you know, they are losing Matt Judon and, you know, 
in terms of what they brought in, they brought in Kevin Zeitler for the online. So I guess you can say good move there, but Lamar Jackson struggled last year. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens there, but Cleveland to me is the most complete team in that division. Um, we haven't touched on it much, but their moves this offseason have been good and it's been targeted to the defensive side. Although they did bring back Hollywood Higgins himself, Rashad Higgins, who, you know, him and Baker Mayfield has a strong connection. Obviously uh, he was involved in that controversial fumble type play into the touchback, not his fault. Um, he obviously home to helmet, but you know, their offensive side, it, it's a, it's elite. Like you said, Odell will come back. The O-line is elite, but on the defensive side, we saw a lot of issues and they addressed a lot of those issues. They brought in some guys for the secondary, John Johnson being the, the premier guy, as well as Troy Hill, good defensive back, both from the Rams. They brought in Anthony Walker to play middle linebacker for them. Um, you know, he's a solid guy. They bring in Malik Jackson to tack McKinley to play on the D line. So they're just making all these good moves on the defensive side, some underrated guys in the league that most, most casuals I would say wouldn't know of. Um, yeah. But they are solid players. Um, I believe Troy Hill was defensive leader in touchdowns last year. So, you know, guys who were making an impact on the field. And to me, um, that defense will get Grant Delpit back who missed all of last year. He hasn't played yet. Um, that defense is going to be a better this year. And I think that's the key. Um, they've got a great safety group now with Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and John Johnson. So I'm excited to see what the Browns are going to do. But to me, the Browns are the most complete team in that division, I feel. Um, and I just feel like the Ravens are, you know, Marcus Peters starting to age a little bit. Matt Judon was key on that defense. Clay's Campbell. We'll see what happens with him. But I think the Browns might be the team to be in that division right now. But offseason is still not over. So I won't say that it is my definitive pick for the year. Yeah, completely agree. And uh, I don't think he's saying this just because he has that bl- those brown roots in him. So uh, those Browns, uh, they're going to put up a good fight this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they are competing for a Super Bowl uh, this year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, last year we saw them, you know, they, they were close. But um, we'll see if maybe the Browns can swing it around this year. But they also have a lot of draft capital. They, didn't, they haven't traded any of their picks. So um, they will be ready to go in the draft. Yeah, this will be an explosive team and another team that is trying to get a little bit more explosive. This is the New York Giants, who today went out and got Kenny Galladay, the star receiver from the Detroit Lions, who got the four-year $72 million deal, $18 million a year, with, I believe, 40-something in guarantees. So uh, this was an interesting signing. It was pretty obvious um, that uh, this was a team that Kenny Galladay wants to go to and uh, the Giants. This was a player that they wanted to sign badly. He spent the extra night in New York last night. So, um, well, whenever this goes up Friday night, he spent the extra night in New York after the team meeting. So that was obviously a good sign there. And uh, I'm going to say, what do you think about this move? And do you think this will put um, the Giants up there and have a chance to fight for first in division? Uh, it's a great move by the Giants, and there's no doubt about that. Um, Kenny Galladay is a star receiver in the league, and you know the Giants now have their superstar receiver. And you look at the offense now; they've made good moves on the offense this offseason. They bring in Kyle Rudolph as well to shore up that tight end group where Evan Ingram has been inconsistent. But Kenny Galladay is huge for them. You know, now that wide receiver room, I don't know where Golden Tate or what his status is, or even even his bum his bum ass is still on the team. But um, yeah. You know, they've obviously got Kenny Sterling Shepard, Darius Slane. So that's a good group there. It's a great wide receiver group for Daniel Jones. And and the key to that, the key to the Giants team, the defense is good. They obviously re-signed Leonard Williams. Um, the defense was solid last year. This team is going to play how Daniel Jones plays. If Daniel Jones develops, stops turning over the ball, becomes a fantastic passing quarterback, this team is going to win the division. I mean, at the end of the day, they have the best defense 
uh, them and the football team are close. I'd probably give it to the football team. Uh, I won't discredit them, but the football team, you know, their quarterback situation, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you never know what's going to happen with that. Obviously football team went out, um, brought in Curtis Samuel as well. So they've got some weapons on that offense as well. Logan Thomas underrated, obviously scary Terry, Antonio Gibson, two headliners on there, but um, Dallas Cowboys are another team for me. Um, their defense is, is there, but, you know, Dak coming back will be huge. We'll see what their offense is going to be explosive. We know that, um, you know, can their defense hold up? Um, they obviously brought in Keanu Neal, which was a good move um, to shore up their secondary. I like that move a lot from them. Keanu Neal's very good safety. So we'll see what happens. Um, I expect Dallas to continue to address the defense in the draft as well. So to me, the only team in this division that's going to be out of it is Philadelphia. Um, they're completely out of it. But other than that, I mean, this move of Kenny Galladay, to me, puts the Giants right up there in the conversation. And to me, if Daniel Jones has a good season, the, the Giants might have the best shot to win the division. Um, obviously, Dallas, you know, we'll see what happens there in football team. Um, and uh, another, you know, good young team that, you know, it seems like is just waiting uh, to find their franchise quarterback at this point. Yeah, 100%. Big, big signing for Big Blue. Uh, they're getting one of the best contested catching receivers in the league. And in, four, in those four years that he's played with the Lions, two of those seasons were 1,000-plus yard seasons, where in 2019 he also led the league with 11 touchdowns. So this guy is obviously explosive, uh, getting yards and getting touchdowns. But last year he obviously had the injuries uh, that really took him out of uh, the league for or he wasn't able to play for basically the entire season, only played a few games, or uh, he only had – around 20 catches um, for like a, a little bit of above 300 yards. So this is going to be a big signing for the team and hopefully he come back healthy. And I do think, and I love the point you made about Daniel Jones, this team is going to go wherever Daniel Jones takes him. As you said, uh, he's going to have to improve. And some of my friends, they've said, uh, Daniel Jones, if he could develop, uh, it's going to be pretty scary. But he really hasn't shown signs of taking that next step. And hopefully Kenny Galladay will be a player that could do that. But if Daniel Jones doesn't show any signs of getting much better this offseason, you may have to look and see. Uh, we'll check all your options for next offseason. Do you move on from him uh, in the near future? What may that be? But if Daniel Jones can improve, um, I really do think the Giants have – probably the highest and best chance at winning this division um, this year. Um, but, of course, as you said, the Eagles are really the only team you count out of it right now with the quarterback situation, just all their players, a lot of older players, terrible cap space right now. Um, but um, for the Washington football team, I think they're going to be a team that's going to compete. And I think if they had their quarterback of the future, if they have had a quarterback, uh, this would easily be the undisputed division winner for me. They have the uh, in my opinion, the best defense in the NFC East offensively. They have uh, Terry McLaurin, obviously, Curtis Samuel now. So two Ohio State brothers are going to have some uh, great uh, moments there with Antonio Gibson in the backfield. So uh, the football team is going to be great. And the Cowboys, it's obvious they're going to have one of the best offenses in the league. It's just going to be a matter of what their defense could do. Uh, your offense can't be putting up 40 a game. Your defense gives up 43 points a game, and that's how you're losing. So uh, I really do think after this draft is when we're going to be able to pick and choose who will be a winner in the rankings uh, could the Dallas Cowboys fix their defense uh, do the Giants share up some of those uh, other spots um, defensively uh, maybe another corner or whatever it may be in the football team uh, could they potentially find a quarterback in the future and I think the draft will really shake out and shape up how this division will turn out next year yeah I completely agree and I think the point I agree most with is uh, this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones um, you know the pressure is on this you know this isn't your second year anymore it's your third year um, you know, the year after this, the team's deciding if they want to extend you your fifth year option. So, um, yeah, 
it's going to be a make or break year for Daniel Jones. If he does not play good and, and doesn't show signs of improvement, um, you know, with their roster, I, I think they need to move on and they, they would have to move on quick. They would have to get a, a new quarterback and, and not, I don't think through the draft, I think you'd want to trade for um, a professional at that point, a professional guy who's been in the league for a while and uh, yeah. who's ready to go because this roster is ready to win at the end of the day. Yep, it really is a Daniel Jones. Uh, wherever he takes them is where they will end up. And um, I like the point you made about going out and getting a quarterback uh, who's proven that they could make plays and be a big-time quarterback in this league the past few, past few years in the draft. I mean, a lot of these guys who are highly regarded. I mean, you see Sam Donald. He really hasn't panned out to be that third overall pick. You have Josh Rosen, who, who I mean, who knows what the hell he's even doing right now. Uh, a lot of these guys who were taken highly haven't really he panned a, out. I wonder if he got a ring for being on the practice squad of the Bucks. He probably did. He probably did. That actually or do you have to be on the 53-man roster i'm not sure but either way a lot of these guys who are highly regarded coming into the draft haven't really panned down some of these guys who are going later in the first round or even some later round gems have been the guys who have uh, been making more plays in the league so i love that point you made about going out and finding a proven quarterback in this league for the giants if uh, daniel jones doesn't work out yeah the giants will be a team to monitor this upcoming season but that does it for our nfl stuff um actually got a lot of time out of that surprisingly so we did uh, well for talking about four guys the whole time but um with that we'll talk <laughs> about um some baseball as the mlb season is approaching i believe opening day is now in 11 days or something like that something very quick. coming up quick yeah it's coming up quick so uh, we're definitely going to want to try and cover a lot more baseball but we'll continue with our preseason um i guess you know what is it like preseason Standing predictions. Something yeah, I guess like. standing prediction. I was trying to think like preseason, like preview. There it is. There's the one. Preseason preview. MLB season. Um, maybe next week, um, since MLB will be starting, we'll do um, uh, award predictions for the season we'll do. That'll be a fun thing to do. So we'll roll that out next week, as well as potentially um, bringing back another mock draft. But um, we are going to start today in the AL East. We've already done the NL, so if you want to get caught up, you know, go back to our previous videos. AL East, Mac, what is your uh, projection for the order of this? And um, if you want to go in depth a little bit about some of these teams. Yep, uh, right at the top, of course, I have the New York Yankees. It's been like this the past few years. They've been at the top and you do have some other teams that could compete to win the AL East, like the Blue Jays and the Rays. But the Yankees right now, they have all the talent that they need to win a World Series. In the past few seasons, they've had the talent, but once it's time uh, to play in the playoffs, it really hasn't worked out. They've dealt with a lot of injuries, and that's going to be something to monitor with this team. But if they stay healthy, uh, this team has a really good chance to win the World Series uh, this year. And they also have the star power that it takes to get there. You have two players in Aaron Judge and DJ LeMay who um, who could even be AL MVPs this year. Uh, Stanton's amazing when healthy. Clint Frazier is a star in the making. Glaber Torres is always a monster. Uh, when he's at the plate. So uh, what I'm really looking uh, and focusing on for the Yankees, um, could this rotation hold up? Uh, could Corey Kluber stay healthy? And if he does, I think this uh, team would have a solid rotation and the Yankees would have a good chance at making it far in the playoffs. And uh, right behind him, I have the Toronto Blue Jays, um, only a few spots behind them. And uh, I think there's a lot of hope for this team, uh, not just because uh, you could have some a lot of hope for these fans, uh, of the Blue Jays, not only because uh, you could have some games in Toronto this 
coming year. But uh, you do have some good players there and a lot of players that could take some big steps uh, like Vladimir Guerrero. You know, I, I can't even do <laughs> these words, but you know what I'm saying. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then you also have Marcus Simeon, who is going to be good at second base, while George Springer obviously brings his all-star production. And if they could find uh, a number two, uh, you know what? Forget that part. But the Blue Jays, I have them second in the NL East right now. And right behind them, I also have the Tampa Bay Rays. You have Blake Snell, uh, Charlie Morton, uh, who are gone. And that creates two big holes in the Rays' rotation. Uh, and that's not good for a team that in the past has relied so much on rotation. Uh, but Colin McHugh and Rich Hill will help there. And even with these additions, the team still doesn't have a starting pitcher uh, who you could really 100% trust. Uh, the Rays are, do have the amazing farm system, of course. Um, but uh, – uh, you're going to have to hope um, that that rotation will hold up this year, uh, but they're still expected to be a pretty good team. Uh, third place in the ALAs um, for me right now. And then right behind him, I have the Boston Red Sox with Eduardo Rodriguez returning after his battle with heart issues because of COVID. Um, so that will obviously help a little bit if you could come back 100%. And to bolster their rotation, they went out and they signed Garrett Richards and added Enrique Hernandez and Hunter Renfro to their lineup. Um, so they also got they also made a few trades this offseason. They got Andrew Benet well the and Andrew Benatendi trade uh, really came out and uh, proved well for the Red Sox. They got exactly what they would want, and then also with Chris Sale back, uh, the team should be a little bit more competitive uh, than last year. And then obviously last place in the AL East to have the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, this is a team who obviously is in the early stages of a rebuild and will probably finish as one of the worst teams in the MLB this year. Uh, their ownership doesn't seem to want to spend a lot of money. So you can see a few trades out of this team before the trade deadline, like uh, Freddie Galvis and others uh, who are potential trade candidates for this team. Uh, they do have the farm talent uh, that it takes um, to have some guys who could come out, come along in the future, but it'll probably be a few years before some of these guys start to come along like Grayson Rodriguez. So Baltimore Orioles are in last place for me in the AL East. Good breakdown. Um, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to have the same standings as you. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did no prep for this, so we'll see what happens. But um, Yankees number one to me, as much as it pains me to say, they're the best team in the division. They're most complete, even though that rotation is, is a huge question mark. You got to give credit to the lineup. Um, obviously, DJ LeMahieu, he's been an MVP candidate the past few years. He's been a great, great player for them. Um, Aaron Judge, you know, and Giancarlo Stan, you know, it's always going to be the injuries with these guys. Um, went on the field and at their best. They're some of the best players in baseball. But, you know, their injury history, standing more than judge, I would say. These guys are just never on the field. They can never play. And, you know, it's been a problem for them. They've, they've had to rely on some other guys like a Mike Talkman or a, in the old, you know, trusty, old faithful Brett Gardner there to play some left. He's a good left fielder. And Brett um, has always been there. But like you said, Clint Frazier, young up-and-coming player. Gio Urshela, another good young player. Miguel Andujar, who knows what he's up to these days. Um, he's a little unproven, you know, lineup's good. Gary, who knows what, you know, he's had a good spring, but will it translate? Probably not. Um, you know, good lineup, you know, great lineup rotation. It's very unproven. Obviously Garrett Cole, he's, you know, the ACE, he's great. Um, top five pitcher in baseball. Um, not going to call him number two. Cause you know, I just don't believe he is, but, um, top five pitcher in baseball and Garrett Cole, um, outside of him though, it's, you know, you get some question marks, Corey Kluber, Jameson Tyone, uh, both coming off injuries. Luis Severino is going to come back. He's coming off Tommy John. We'll see what happens with that. Jordan Montgomery um, has looked good in spring. So, you know, 
assuming he'll be in the rotation start there. We'll see what happens. Uh, prospects like Divi Garcia, Clark Schmidt. Uh, can these guys be contributors this year? We'll see. And then Domingo Herman. I mean, this guy's, you know, abused, you know, his girlfriend or assaulted her or whatnot. And, you know, it's crazy that this guy's still on the team and hasn't been released in my opinion, but um, you know, can he produce after missing a whole year and, and can this guy um, keep it together off the field to stay on the field? We'll see what happens there. Bullpen obviously, um, you know, is normally a strength of this team. They did lose Adam Adovino. They bring in Darren O'Day. Um, you know, that'll be, you know, he's always kind of been a solid guy there. Obviously the lefty pair of Zach Britton and Oral Chapman will, will be the core of that bullpen. Um, you know, with Chad Green, he's been solid. Tommy Kayleen, not on the team anymore. That might hurt him, but he was injured for most of last year. So um, they're going to have to re- rely on uh, some of these other lesser known guys, potentially as the, uh, the well-known core that bullpen seems to have broken up with the Adovino trade as well as Tommy Kayleen being away. So that puts the Yankees for me at one. Goodness gracious, a lot of talk. My throat's already feeling it. Paul <laughs> at two. Um, you hey, covered pretty well. <laughs> yeah, the mock draft's bad. I'm going to need some water for that one. Um, yeah, I know. You're going to have to like, get oh the gallon God. jugs and just start sipping on it. Oh. But <laughs> um, Toronto at two. Um, you know, good lineup. They bring in George Springer, um, like you said, as well as Marcus Simeon, two great players, former All-Stars. Um, you know, we'll see if Marcus Simeon can regain his All-Star form. George Springer, expect nothing the less from him except for an All-Star season. You know, young guys, uh, young core, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Kevin Biggio, Bobachette, um, Teoscar Hernandez. These guys are, are sluggers. They, they're they amazing. Um, you know, really, really strong core they got there. Bullpen, um, they bring in Kirby Yates. Good move. He had a bit of a down year last year with San Diego, but he should be solid. The rotation, um, a lot of question marks in my eyes. Hinge and Ryu is, is, is solid. Um, they obviously have nasty Nate, the, the prospect himself, Nate Pearson. He's expected to be great. A lot of questions, though, with guys like Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz, obviously the former Met. Um, those guys are a bit of more question marks for me, so we'll see what happens. So for me, um, you're not quite better than the Yankees, but still enough to be number two. Rays, you covered them pretty well. Um, they lost, and, the, you know, this team is – you just feel bad for the fans. Um, you know, it's, it's just poverty franchise at the end of the day. They have no money. And, you know, they can't afford these players like Charlie Moore and Blake Snell. They're gone. So rotation is going to be headed by Tyler Glass. Now they'll see if they can get guys like Michael Walker, Rich Hill. Um, and, you know, who's the other guy you mentioned? Um, Calm the Q um, to provide for them in that rotation. Bullpen is always great. They've got a ton of 100-mile-per-hour throwers out there. Um, the pen, or I forget what it, it was like the – oh, my God. It's like the stable or something like that they call it. Something weird, but um, it's great. The bullpen's great. Lineup. Um, you know, you got Brandon Lowe, um, Austin Meadows, those guys leaning, Kevin Kiermeyer, um, Gmon Cho, that guy's a, a fun guy to play around with. Um, you know, really good. And obviously their farm system, like you mentioned, is great up and coming. Best prospect in baseball, Wander Franco they have, as well as acquiring Luis Patino in the Blake Snell deal, um, top pitching prospect. So we'll see what happens there. But to me, this team, oh, Randy Rosarena as well. We'll see what happens with him in this full rookie season. Obviously the playoff hero, hero for that team. Um, if he can continue that success, this team could be um, a very fun team to watch. So, but that puts me them at three for me. I'm not going to talk about these other teams because my breath or my fucking <laughs> it's gone. Um, Boston, um, you know, just you know, they're not a bad team. In other divisions, they might be better, but in this division, they're going to be fourth. Um, rotation, 
question marks everywhere. Um, a lot of those guys are have just missed time or, or not proven. Bullpen is kind of a mess at the moment. Lineup should be good with you know Xander Bogart's best player on that on that team. JD Martinez is a very good player as well. Um, Alex Verdugo is you know up and coming. He's shown good flashes. Um, you know prospects in the farm. Jeter Downs I know is is a very highly regarded shortstop. Um, you know and it's just going to take time for Boston. Rafael Devers as well. Um, if he can have a breakout year, that could be huge. But they lose. Jackie Bradley, Andrew Benintendi, like you mentioned. So those are going to hurt them. And then Baltimore, obviously in the cellar. Um, you know, it's more about prospects and rebuilding for this team. Um, they've got some good young pitching. Um, you know, you, you know, go back and watch our interview with the uh, Orioles broadcaster, Jeff Arnold. If you want a little more on that team and their farm system, he talks about it towards the end of the podcast, I believe. They've got some good young guys there and, and ones that are not known as well, but that are, you know, Jeff, who's watched a lot of minor league games, expects them to do well. But obviously the head... Uh, of their prospect and their farm system. Adley Rushman, the catcher, that guy's going to be a stud out of Oregon State. The Beavers, they won their first March Madness game as a 12 seed, so that was fun to watch. We'll see what they do in the second round. But Adley Rushman uh, might be up sometime this year, so stay tuned for him, but obviously um, a rebuilding season for the Baltimore Orioles. So that is my division. Same order as you. Uh, That was a lot of talking for you. I I could tell you're a little bit guessed. Yeah. So next week we're planning. You gotta have the gallon jug on one side, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just taking slips in between each pick. So <laughs> up next, we obviously are going to be doing the AL Central, and I'll start with this so you get your your uh, your mouth and all those uh, juices flowing in your mouth and not be dry anymore. So I'll start this off, and at the top I have the Chicago. The, oh my, the she. I was about to say the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Chicago White Sox. And uh, as the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs start to fall, the Chicago White Sox are on the rise. And I think that's what's special about this team. They're going to get a lot of uh, attention in the upcoming few seasons, even as soon as this season. Of course, uh, the team has a great lineup with players like Tim Anderson, Lewis Robert. And this is a roster which is loaded with all-star candidates uh, that also has a very, very deep batting order with players like Adam Eaton. And also, not to mention, this team has an amazing rotation. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that this team's a very dangerous team uh, for years to come now. And uh, second, I have behind them the Minnesota Twins. And this season, it's pretty obvious that the Twins are committed to having a great defense um, over everything. They added all – they added – on Drelton Simmons. Okay, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting the names. I was gonna get them. And now they have at least four players that could be gold glove finalists. And with a starting lineup with a lineup that includes Max Kelper, uh Josh Donaldson, and Nelson Cruz, and many more. Uh, the team will have a lot of firepower. Uh, so just like last year, everything will likely come down to the rotation for this team. And now third, I have Cle- the Cleveland Indians. Uh, this is a team that lost an amazing player in Lindor. Although the addition of Eddie Rosario provides a slight boost in the outfield, uh, they still need a lot of help, um, and it won't be enough. And with a bullpen that could be electrifying, there's a lot of excitement around a rotation that includes Shane Bieber and Tristan, Tristan McKenzie. So Cleveland Indians uh, have some things to look forward to, but that Lindor trade uh, really uh, – mess things up for them you're a little happy i see so <laughs> only a little happy like cleveland indians now uh, sitting at third place for me in the al central uh and fourth at the detroit tigers and although they may not be ready now oh. the tigers do have an exciting future in my opinion uh they have top pitching prospects that could have a lot of potential in casey mize and uh t- you're gonna have to help me on this one Tar- Tarek, Tariq, whatever it is 
Tariq. Uh, let's go with Tariq Scooble, oh, Scooball, whatever it is. So they do have a lot of potential there with uh, some young, talented pitching prospects and with an amazing rotation and number one overall pick Spencer Torkelson, uh, a potential MVP candidate. This team could be dangerous uh, in the near future. And then in last for me, I have the Kansas City Royals. And in a, no, in a slow offseason, uh, they have made some quiet moves. Uh, Mike Manor will be a nice piece in the rotation and reunions with Greg Holland and Wade Davis. Uh, that will add and uh, keep some nice depth there in the bullpen. Uh, they shouldn't have a problem scoring runs, of course. And with a lot of positive uh, for this team, there's still plenty of question marks. So uh, the Royals, for me, will like also finished near the bottom of the MLB this season. Interesting. Um, interesting. That, that's interesting for me. Um, whew, here we go. Um, here we go. White, the mouth juice or oh, the juice is flowing. Not quite. Um, <laughs> the White Sox. Um, they're, you know, arguably the second best team in the AL for me. I, yeah, they are the second best team in the AL. Great lineup. Um, you know, I think, you know, just because you're prep and you're not as not as well known about, you know, the team. Um, they have, you know, former MVP Jose Abreu, um, Tim Anderson, obviously, like you mentioned, Yohan Moncada is a great player. Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. They add Adam Eden, like you mentioned. Great bullpen that they added Liam Hendricks, top reliever in the game. Um, they've got Aaron Bummer there. He's underrated. Jace Fry might film the team. I don't really know. Um, but they've got great guys in that bullpen and the rotation, like you said, it's young, it's stud like, um, Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel's in there. Um, they've got some other guys too. Renato Lopez, I believe is, is a solid piece there, but yeah, they're the best team in that division. Um, it's their division to win. And, you know, I expect them to win it with a pretty, pretty ease, um, there. Second is the twins. Like you said, um, they lost a good chunk this offseason. They lose Rich Hill. They lose Jake Rizzi. They lose um, Eddie Rosario to the Cleveland Indians as well. Um, they lost a bunch of guys, but um, they did add Andrew Simmons, like you said, going to be a good defensive team to watch. And their lineup is still great. They got Donaldson, Cruz, Rosario. Oh, no, they don't have Rosario. That's awkward. Kepler, uh, Mitch Garver's there, um, Miguel Sano. They got great guys in the lineup, bullpen. Little shaky. Um, they've got you know the duo of Taylor Rogers and um, oh, what's his name? Um, well, Taylor Rogers and someone else is back there in the bullpen. Um, good duo, but you know, still to me, it's the second team. Third team, I think it's close between these two, but I will give the Cleveland Indians the three seed. Um, they lose Lindor and Carrasco in that huge deal. Obviously, they still have Jose Ramirez, who's one of the best players in baseball. Um, doubt he'll be there much longer in a Cleveland Indians uniform, but they do have. Um, guys, like you said, Eddie Rosario, they bring in Andres Jimenez, who is a young star, in my opinion, he's up and coming. Roberto Perez is a good catcher. They lose guys like Carlos Santana still though, uh, to Kansas city and pieces like that. So for me, this team is going to go as this rotation goes. It's a good rotation, good young rotation as it always is in Cleveland. Um, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Zach Plesak, Adam Plutko guys that you're going to want to keep an eye on there. All solid options there. And Cleveland will have a very good rotation as they always do. Bullpen is, you know, they got James Karinchek, um, you know, you know, an emblem of, of rookie Ricky Vaughn and, um, you know, wild thing from the, ma the major league movies. Uh, you know, they got a real life wild thing at the haircut. I remember he just gave a, 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 a dinger to Gio in the, in the playoffs. It was grand slam. You know, he had this whole aura and we'll see how that plays out over a, a whole 162 season, but he's the guy to watch in that bullpen. Uh, really the only star left with Brad Hand leaving. So Cleveland is three. 
Kansas City is a good team in my eyes. They added Carlos Santana, which was a good move. Mike Miner, like you said, they added some other guys as well. They were very good moves. Um, they still have Whit Merrifield, who's a very good baseball player. Jorge Soler, you know, a few years ago was hit, you know, hit for like 50 home runs. So he's very good. Um, Salvador Perez, one of the best catchers in baseball, still on that team. Um, rotation and pitching is going to be their flaws. Obviously, like you said, they make those veteran moves. They bring back guys like Greg Holland, Wade Davis, who are on that World Series team that did take down my New York Mets. But that team was built off their bullpen, and we'll see if they can do the same. I don't think those guys will have the same success, obviously. Greg Holland, you know, kind of had a resurgence last year, but they do have um, some young stars in that bullpen. They have um, Stalmont, Josh Stalmont, who's, you know, very good up-and-coming pitcher in that bullpen. Uh, he might be, I believe he'll be the closer this year. So we'll see what happens with that rotation. Um, you know, kind of not really sure what's going to happen, but top prospect Bobby Witt is a guy to keep an eye on for the future for them. He shortstop, uh, former number two overall pick. And in the cellar, whew, the second worst team in baseball in my eyes, the Detroit Tigers. Um, they didn't do anything. It's obviously in there, just the same team. They got, you know, Maggie Cabrera is still there, obviously. Um, you know, he'll headline their, their lineup, but um, just a team that doesn't have much talent right now. Um, you know, the rotation has some solid guys. Matt Boyd is still there. Michael Fulmer, um, we'll see if he can bounce back. He was obviously a former uh, AL Rookie of the Year winner, uh, came to the Tigers in the you want to suspect this deal with the New York Mets, obviously. But, um, you know, like you said, they've got a ton of good young prospects on the rise. Casey Mize, the other pitching prospect, which you botched the name of, I won't go in any <laughs> uh, Spencer Torkelson, the number one pick from Arizona State, like you said, he was going to be playing. Uh, a huge role in their future. So we'll see. Only time's going to tell, but the Tigers won't be competitive this year. I'm not going to talk about them for any more uh, just because it's, it's not worth it, but Tigers will be in the cellar. So um, top three, same for me, but I will switch the Royals and the Tigers and that'll be the AL central for me. Yep. Great predictions there. All off the top for you. All right. <laughs> down for me. So there's obviously the big difference there. between You all drown for sure. Next few weeks, I mean, G Money is gonna get me get me on track. <laughs> the next few weeks, next few months, and I want to be like Cam, hopefully by you know some point in the season. <laughs> that, that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, but with that, that was our baseball. I kind of want to go back to something you briefly mentioned it earlier on when we we're talking football, and uh, something. I completely forgot we should talk about and yeah. that's the Sean Watson stuff, the allegations. And I guess I just want to ask you uh, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it could be false? Is it, um, of course I'm getting that your internet connection is unstable, but I guess what are your thoughts on the entire situation, how it would affect him in the future? Um, it sure makes the situation and the trade interesting. I don't want to comment on, you know, whether the allegations are false or not, just because, um, I don't want to discredit what the victims are saying and, and, and you know, hypothesizing. Um, the situation from Deshaun's perspective, in his words, does seem a little fishy. And, it, you know, there have been cases where athletes are falsely accused of this stuff. So I don't think it's out of the unnecessary realm for these allegations to be false. But at the same time, I'm not going to say and come sit here and say that these people are lying and, and our, our, our stories are not true because, you know, I don't want to do that. So. Um, but in terms of the effect it'll have on the trade, cause that's, you know, what I want to focus on. I don't, I, I really don't know if the Houston Texans are going to end up trading him because now you got this whole element with other teams saying, do we want to acquire this guy that if all these things are true, this guy might be out of the league just because of off the field, this guy could be in jail, literally. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to trade him. 
um, you know, and they're already not taking calls. So for me, this is a win for the Texans. Um, it makes it more likely that he'll stay there, even though he doesn't want to stay. It's just a mess situation. It just continues to be even more of a mess. The Houston Texans are probably getting screwed even more by this, um, even though if they do want to keep him, it's probably going to you know, give them an excuse to say, oh, we, we don't really want to move on from him right now. It's the whole situation a mess. But um, in terms of trading him, um, uh, we got to see what happens with that. I don't know when this is going to be resolved or whatnot. Um, if this can affect his trade value, I mean, re I really just don't know, but it, it, the whole situation is a mess. And, and right now, if I had to say, I would not expect Deshaun Watson to be traded this offseason. Yep, I completely agree. I mean, uh, everything does seem a little bit fishy, just the timing of everything. Uh, right as he wants to get traded and talks are heating up a little bit. Um, of course, he's coming out seeing teams he wants to play for, and that's kind of when things start to roll out of uh, these women accusing him, of course, of the sexual abuse and abuse and all that kind of stuff. So I'll agree with you there. You can't really say if it's if it's true or false. I mean, you did have over 12 uh, women come out and say that it did happen all about it at the, at the same time. So uh, it, it's a little bit fishy, but if it's true um, – then uh, it's, it's going to be a tough situation for Deshaun Watson. I think uh, for the Houston Texans, uh, it's going to be hard. And for other teams, of course, you're not going to want to trade for him right now. And because there's all these women, it's all so new. Uh, the league has to investigate it. Uh, really, uh, the police have to investigate it as well. So teams are obviously going to have to wait for that. And who knows how long that'll take. I mean, could this be something where it's closer to the draft or after the draft? Because I think once you're getting to a week or two within the, within the draft, it's going to be really hard if um, if – those allegations are proven false or proven true, or if it's still undecided uh, to really get rid of him. So it, it's going to be a long, a long uh, off season for Deshaun Watson, the Texans. And if uh, they cannot decide uh, whether this is true or false uh, anytime soon, once it comes draft time, it's going to be hard to trade him because Texans, they're not going to want to trade him if they can't get the draft capital this off season. So uh, I think it's going to be Deshaun Watson really ending up sitting out if he's not uh, out of the league or uh, not on a team uh, this off season, after whatever happens, whatever goes down. Yeah, I mean, we just don't know. It's the situation is just so unknown. So, um, you know, we'll leave it at that. I think uh, I don't think either of us have too much more to say on that, but definitely a good point to uh, to bring up and discuss. Yep, just uh, it's a nice little thing to finish it off. Well, maybe not nice, but <laughs> we'll see. So, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up because you guys are going to be getting. Uh, well, actually, it's going to be out Sunday, so you're going to have to make sure you go and watch the OTA clips, March Madness from last night and today, every single day. March Madness on OTA clips, baby. <laughs> You're going to have to make sure you like, comment, subscribe, not only over here, but over there, because you're going to be getting daily episodes for who knows how long by G-Money and Mac Ronald. So make sure to like. Comment, we'll make sure to get some special guests on there. You know it. So make sure to like, comment, subscribe on both channels. And as Griffin said at the beginning of the episode, go over to Apple and Spotify and make sure to subscribe or follow whatever it is over there. Uh, so if you guys can't watch on YouTube, uh, you could go on in your car, put it on the radio, Bluetooth, whatever you got. You could go and listen over there. And as always, we thank you all for watching. Also, make sure to follow us on our Instagrams. Uh, my Instagram is Mac.Rommel. Griffin's Instagram is uh, Griffin Senek. Our podcast Instagram is Downside the Arena Podcast. Make sure to follow us there. Uh, drop a comment or even DM us on there if you want to come on. Have any ideas? We'd love to hear from you guys. So. As always, stay safe, and we'll see you all next week on Outside the Arena.